is the Harson Termination Spectacular. <laughs> I approve of this message. All right, there it is. This has been quite a day, hasn't it? It has. I literally just, I, I've been handing out candy since about 530, and I literally just put the jack-o'-lantern out, turned the front lights off, and ran in here to do this. So. You were handing out candy, and that's before you even realized it was Halloween. Here's some candy. Brian Hawson fired. Here's some candy. That's it. Candy for the whole neighborhood on me. Hey, young fella. Here's just some <laughs> candy. Brian Hawson got fired. listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. Bye-bye, Bo! Welcome to the AU Wishbone, brought to you by White Rock Entertainment and by people like you, you, the Auburn family, the AU Wishbone family, the Halloween Harson Spectacular uh, Patreon.com family. I'm Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined as always on this video edition by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. And John, this is, by the way, I didn't say it, this is uh, 670. This is podcast and video number 670. So... Um, immediate gut reaction to the firing of Harson. Again, you you always come up with these notes, and then I end up reading them. So I'll ask you the question you ask. You're asking uh, gut reaction. I was surprised it was today. I thought all along we would drag it out to the end of the season, but once it happened, I was happy. If we're going to do it, do it. And I I'll have more to say on that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree exactly. Um, I think we we <clears throat> we'd had several near misses. Where we thought, okay, this is this is when they're going to do it. Okay, well, this is when they're going to do it. And after like the second or third time, I had pretty much decided they were just going to do like Chiswick in 2012 and just coast all the way to the end, you know. But with things going on, like the new athletic director coming in, and which wasn't which wasn't the case back then, and other stuff going on, um, I think there's just been an increasing amount of pressure on the president and the top administration to do something. Exactly. And when the, the, we did the Chiswick decision, there wasn't, I don't even know if there was early signing period. I don't think there was. And there definitely wasn't transfer portal in December. So those two were, were big. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. So what do you think about John Cohen? The, I think, who, as you know, we play them on Saturday. Which yes. box is he going to sit in? That's the question. I think he's probably going to sit in the armor box. I, yeah. I'm sure there's some transition period, uh, but I, you know, I'm ha- I like Cohen. I reading his bio and stuff. This is a guy that, you know, uh, coached all around the SEC. This is a person that's been at Missouri, Florida, Kentucky, and Mississippi State. Uh, he's on the leadership council for NCAA baseball. He's a, a former coach, uh, and I think um, you know two f- coaches on on Auburn's current staff, Butch Thompson and, and the women's basketball coach Johnny Harris, both mm-hmm. worked. Uh, with him at Mississippi State, and so I know that they talked to both of those people 
before making a final decision to see what did you think of him? Is he a good leader? Can he do it? I mean, the university president, it was his call. And I think they, it, we'd heard the other names all along. I do think they, we made a run and an offer at the Arkansas athletic director, your check. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that when you see they went after year check and then they hired Cohen, I think they really shows they valued somebody with SEC experience, somebody that had experience yes. managing an athletic department in this conference. And Cohen's had a lot of success. A lot of their programs had really done well under him. And I think that's a good thing. I, I think it's a good did, criteria. Did you see Bruce Pearl's statement? Because I think there's a yes. lot of in between the lines in there. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the he he basically it, Rich McGlynn. It, it, I, I read from it that he was kind of in Rich McGlynn's corner, which would make sense because Bruce is what? kind of a loyalty guy, and he already was at Auburn, you know. And yes. so he said something like, "If we we're keeping Rich McGlynn and going to empower him to do something or other, so it's the best of both worlds." Was his quote? It is. So Rich McGlynn has been made like deputy athletic director. He's the number two person. He got a promotion. He's the number two person under mm. Cohen. Um, and so it, it is the best word. We keep Rich McGlynn. They're empowering him to do what he needs to do, and Cohen could come in and be the top guy. Yeah, that's that's uh, that all seemed like it worked out about as well as possible. I mean, the only way that it's not a, a plus, plus, plus is if there's something about Cohen we don't necessarily know, but we don't know that right now. And so we can. I, he's been an SEC athletic director for six years. So if there was something to know, people would know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Patrick Patrick Williams sums it up. Ready for the Harson Interanum pages of We Believe Volume 2. <laughs> Basically what we did with Barbie, with the Tony Barbie and Lebo section of uh, of the basketball book. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and say that now since it came up. Just so everybody knows while y'all are watching. Um, what's the date we decided? The day the, the day the first game, right? A week from today, the basketball book goes on sale. Yes. So, so it'll be Monday, November 7th. Monday, November 7th, the first basketball game, Auburn basketball from Barkley to Bruce will be officially out. Um, it, it came out in paperback and hardcover in the summer for our patrons, and they've had several months now to enjoy it to themselves, and they, they were able to get their special hardcovers and their signed editions and whatnot. Uh, starting a week from a day, you'll be able to go on Amazon or go to a bookstore and ask them to order it for you. You can get it, and it's the, just the regular, the paperback of um, of the entire history of Auburn basketball from when they hired from we hired Sonny Smith all the way up to the present. So, all right, I hope people will enjoy that, and if you. Um, we will also ask you at that point, if you've already read it, to go leave us a review or a rating or something on Amazon to kind of help get boost its visibility. All right. Um, let's see. I'm just going to go down your agenda, John, because we always do. And I like it. Basketball season starts this week. Exhibition Wednesday against Alabama Huntsville. And then the first real game is Monday, November the 7th. So a couple of quick against, things before we get to the George trial. Mason. George Mason. That's up in uh, D.C., right? Yeah. It's in Northern Virginia. It'd be nice for me if it was a road game at George Mason. Maybe we'll yeah. do them a return down the road. But they made the uh, Final Four a few years ago, didn't they? It was about. It was a while ago with the coach yeah. who's now at Miami, who we saw last oh, year. Oh, that yes, guy, Larinaga. Oh Lord. Well, shoot. No wonder we. Ugh, okay. Um, yeah. So looking forward to that. Uh, anything else about the basketball team before we get? We got one more topic to get to, and then we'll do the trial. No, I mean, uh, I'm excited for basketball season. We are going to do some more 
you know, basketball preview and discussions yeah. in the coming weeks. And so. we will be at the Auburn basketball game on the 11th? Friday, November 11th, we will be at the Texas Southern game. And then on the Saturday, the 12th, we will be at Auburn versus Texas A&M at Jordan-Hare Stadium. And we're going to do a signing of our new book at the University Bookstore probably Saturday morning. We're gonna, we got to work that out with them. Yeah. We were originally thinking Friday, but now they've announced A&M as a night game. We could probably it's do a Saturday morning. Probably Saturday, be so. Saturday, yeah, early middle of the day. So if you're in the greater Auburn-Opelika area, come on out, say hey to us, either at the basketball game, come to the book signing at the AU Bookstore, or we'll see you at the game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Have a great – it's, I guess, um, last time – Nah, good transition. The last time I was in Auburn <laughs> was 2019, the Georgia game. 2019. Let me throw you, let me, let me bring you back. 2019, the Georgia game. The late Gus Malzahn era. We get, we're coming, Georgia gets out to a lead. Auburn comes storming back behind Bo Nix. We do an onside kick. They rule, and we recover, and they rule we didn't recover. The game ends, basically, Georgia runs out the clock. If we'd have recovered, I th- we had a real confidence we were going to win. Van and I saw us after saw each other after the game and you know hugged it out. It was a rough. We were both just absolutely it, broken by it that. It still so. astonishes me that Bo Nix had two of his father's big games at least. Right, he had the the Florida or Alabama game where he where where Nicks came in and threw a touchdown pass where the receiver caught it and dove into the end zone. He had that against Oregon, I believe. And and then he turned around in that Georgia game and did the exact same thing as his dad in the 94 Iron Bowl, where Alabama got up 21 to nothing, and then Pat Nicks led us two touchdown drives. And then on the third, instead of an onside kick, it was the, the infamous fourth down that we thought we made with Frank Sanders. So it's just crazy how similar those were it's so weird all right um so speaking of that was the last time i was at an auburn game but you sir i was at an auburn game you know 48 hours ago whatever like saturday afternoon uh my daughter and i had a fun road trip we did two college football games in 40 hours we went to the virginia tech and nc state game thursday night which i'm thankful i'm allowed to say uh, NC State and broadcast in uh, which that game in Raleigh, and then Friday we drove to Auburn. We went to the uh, I visited my family and some other people, and went to the Auburn Arkansas game Saturday. And I can say, like, I the one of the reasons I'm happy, and we're going to talk about this in the trial, was there was no energy in the stadium. We yeah. had a great time. It was a beautiful fall day. I got a little bit of sunburn on my head because the sun came out late in the game, but there was no energy in the stadium. It was flat, and I can tell you this. When that team runs out of that tunnel against Texas A&M and Carno Williams is at the front of them, that oh. stadium is going to go bonkers. Oh, yeah. <sighs> um, when when <laughs> when he comes out, the Mississippi State people are looking at him and they're going to go, What are you? Some kind of doomsday machine, boy. And he's going to be like, Yep, and here it comes. <laughs> um, oh, just real quick, uh, Johnny Dent asked, where do we order where y'all get the biggest cut? And number one, I appreciate our fans and readers and listeners and all thinking about such things. Um, the answer is probably Amazon because when it when you get it from a bookstore, Amazon still gets their cut and the bookstore gets their cut and we get like a few cents that are left over. When you get it on Amazon, there's no other sharing but us and Amazon. So Amazon's probably the best way. 
Um, if you buy it at the AU bookstore, though, that'll be that would be fine too because we get to meet people and sign it and, and everything else. So it's worth a few extra cents it, to get to meet everybody. That's not and a problem. We're always happy to support the bookstore too. And and understand, we don't do these for the money. <laughs> we do it for the love, right? And because we love it and want to write about it and enjoy it, and we want to get it out to all of the people out there that like to read it. If if you know, there are a lot of other things we could be doing if we wanted to make more money off of stuff like this, um, like Alabama books, honestly. Not that they can read, but they buy them just to throw up there and go, look at all those Alabama books I got. You know, but they all, that's where the money is. But no, we do it because of love. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to catch up to Bruce, but I would, I would, uh, it would, I would love it. Um, can we buy a basketball book? Yeah, yeah. They ordered like 40 copies, I think. So they should have plenty. I, that, I, they were, I did not see it when I was there on Saturday. Our other books were there. Lorendo was there. I did not see the basketball book. But I know other people have bought copies before now at the bookstore. Really? So, yes. Okay. Yeah, I checked with the manager, and she said that they got like 40 copies of it and like 25 copies of We Believed in a couple of weeks ago. So... And she hadn't said to me, we need more. Okay. So I'm going to assume that we're good. Um, yeah, you might say it will go crazy, John. Go crazy. Um, this is a good question from Keith Hill. Is it true that no one high-fived Harson during the Tiger Walk? No, little kids did. Some little kids did, but most people were just kind of like, and he was walking by like, <laughs> you know. Not, I saw it. I saw video of it. A couple of people high-fived him. Little kids were kind of like, oh, coach, you know. But most of the folks were just kind of back behind the, the sawhorses, you know, and they were just like not in it, not really excited about high fiving him. This is a th- th- Josh Corbett makes a point I wanted to ask you about. He says, with Caddy as head coach, we will hand the ball to Tank 30 times. I think that's a very real possibility. Oh, we're going to run the ball. We're going to line up and run the ball at the other teams um, because it's not just Harson gone. Yeah. It's a whole bunch of other people, too. So, um, Who's going to be our position coach? I know there's a good one coming up here. Who's going to be our position coach, though? I mean, we just Cadillac Michael uh, Carnell Michael Myers Cadillac Williams just came through on Halloween in his mask, his Captain Kirk mask, and his knife, and said, um, "Offensive coordinator." And then he did, and he well, just went through and did that, right? And so, who's left to coach? The only Boise State I left on staff is Schmetting right now. So is that the defensive uh, coordinator? Yeah. Yes, the defensive coordinator. So you know, Kesaw, Bedell, uh, the, all those other guys are all gone. They're gone. Um, yeah. I, so on the offensive side, it's Carnell. It's the wide receivers coach. Will Friend is still there, and um, I think that's it. So it's a good question. Um, <laughs> there's a guy uh, the. The younger brother of the Ohio State wide receivers coach is a, an analyst on offense, okay? And I think he he's going to be a guy that's going to step up and be part of the staff. Um, I was wondering if they were going to bring some people in or pe- bring some people off the analyst's well, bench. Yeah, You know Kendall Simmons is an analyst role, right? So I think he could step up and be part of it. Yeah, Um yeah. Mike Hartline is the guy I'm thinking about. Brian Hartline is the Ohio State yeah. wide receivers coach who played there. is a great recruiter for them. His brother Brian is an analyst at Auburn. I could see him being the stepping up and, and being involved in the uh, in the offensive staff. Maybe Kendall Simmons gets promoted to on the field coach. Um, again, we still have uh, Trevon Reed 
is not as an on-the-field coach role, but is still on staff. He could be promoted That's on true. the offensive side. So That's I think those one. are guys I want to see maybe getting in, um, you know, in the short term. Yeah. Oh, Josh is on top of it. All right. I got to throw this one out there before it rolls off because this was so good from Bill Miner. He said, when does Harson end up as an analyst for Saban? I, I guess Harson will be the next coach to visit the Nick Saban Rehabilitation Academy. But I, but I, I feel think, like he's going to go back to Ohio, back to Idaho, though. I think he's too proud to go there. Didn't yeah. He? Yeah. I think he'd rather go back to Idaho you, and, and poke you, around. If you there. go there, you do what Saban says, when he says it, how he says it. So if you right. want to do that. Right, you're right. Come. You're right. What um, what is what is Harson going to do in the next year or so, and what's he going to do ahead of that? Is he going to be on TV somewhere? I could see him as an analyst for like Pac-12 or. I don't think he's gregarious and inter- yeah, you know, smooth enough. I, so, I it's possible, uh, but I think he's going to go back out west and get a you know another G5 job on the West Coast somewhere. Idaho, um, the Vandals, yeah. something like that. Something like that, you know. Some some West Coast uh, Mountain West team. Um, I don't think he's gonna. You know, I mean, I don't think he's gonna get Colorado, Arizona State, or anything. But let's let's be honest. Fifteen million dollars isn't what it used to be. It sounds like a lot of money, but you can't like kick back and live a lavish lifestyle for the next forty years on fifteen million dollars, John. You and I you could, could live, live a nice fine in you Idaho. Could, you go you, pay off your property and you put could some live money fine, in the bank, earn interest on around, it. But you couldn't live a jet setting division one coach lifestyle on just fifteen million dollars. Not anymore. I don't think so. No, but I, I mean again, if unless you invested it very carefully and, I, you know, I, brought in a bunch of interest and yeah. stuff. So, <laughs> no, I, I, I there's a possibility. Keith Hill says is Brian Hart's gonna run for Senate in Idaho. I yeah. Yeah, <laughs> don't people need to like you to be on TV? That's a fair. Hey, Colorado, yeah, yeah. Josh pointed out Colorado's looking could be. Oh, I know. yeah. Now, of course, everybody, everybody in our comments is like, "Oh, I could live fine on 15." Yeah. yeah, y'all are missing my point. I'm not saying you couldn't live a comfortable life. I'm saying you can't live a millionaire jet setter life no, but- unless you have a constant flow of millions of dollars. You can't just get a lump sum. Uh, before taxes of fifteen million dollars, that money will be gone in ten years. I guarantee I, to you. I understand, it, but I also think like a, he's not going to go lay on a beach somewhere. He's the kind of person that's going to go do something. Right, he'll exactly. be earning some revenue exactly. even if it's significantly less yes. than we paid him. That is correct. Um, all right, so are we to the trial? It is time. <laughs> if oh, this is what happens every up. Oh. You are out of order. You're out of order. John, we haven't done this in a while. All right. So, so for those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, or who this is your first time in this broadcast with us, we have done this several times over the years. And the purpose of doing a trial is so that we're not doing the kind of hot takes, shoot from the hip. This is what, you know, one side or the other side of the argument. We attempt to lay out all the arguments on both sides in a thorough and thoughtful manner and then say, okay, what does the preponderance of the evidence tell us? Uh, and we like to do, and we like to call it a trial. But we're, so we're going to do kind of the. I, I, I don't know. I'm the Van is the judge. I'm presenting <laughs> the case to him and to you, the members of the jury. Oh, and well, you then can render guilty. Your own 
I'm going to go ahead so. and offer summary judgment. Guilty. All right, moving on. Next topic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're getting some Lannister justice here. All right, so hey, I'm going to lay out the, the, the pro Harson side first, and then I'm going to lay out the against Harson side, uh, and I'm going to walk through some different reasons. There, we, we, we could have kept him today. Oh, my God! Or we could have done what we did. I've just been waiting all day to play that, so there you go. All right. Oh, Rusty's already jumped the, jumped the gun. All right. Um, here we go. All right. I'm going to walk through. Um, all right. When I get to that question, we'll bring in Auburn Elvis's thing. So, number one, every, every coaching hire, regardless of what school it is or what is happening, deserves three or four years at least to implement systems, bring in their players, develop their guys so they could show results. As a fundamental level, every coaching hire in college football deserves at least three to four years. Two years is too short to show anything either way. So that's number one. All right. Yep. Number two, um, the fractured coaching search that led to the Harson hiring is not his fault. So the search where we were all over the place talking to Venables, talking to Napier, all that stuff, and the fact that we didn't agree on who the coach should be when he was hired, that's not his fault. He didn't cause that. He didn't make that happen. But then he walked into a situation where the where the boosters and the fans and everybody else was fractured and not united in support behind him before he ever did anything. So he walked into a situation not of his own creation where he – did not have a chance to get full support. Okay. So that's, that's number two. Number three is he was hired during the COVID restriction. And that means that recruits could not come on campus and the coaches could not go out on the road to visit recruits. This really hurt their efforts to get recruiting off the ground and going and build relationships with the 23, 24 recruits. A lot of other schools had had, you know, in-person relationships with these players before the COVID restrictions hit, and this limited their ability to go do those things. So there was a lot of, you know, meeting with people over Zoom or that kind of stuff, but it's not the same, and we all know. We also know that having players on campus is a big part of Auburn's appeal and sure. um, in, in attracting recruits. So not have, being able to have them on campus hurt Auburn compared to other schools. All right, number four, in the 2021 football season – the team that the Auburn team, the Harson coached, was ranked in the top tens and beat good teams, and then Bo Nix got hurt. That led to the five-game losing streak and losses to Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Alabama. If Bo Nix stays healthy, Auburn wins those games. So basically, we are firing Brian Harson because Bo Nix got hurt. When Bo Nix was healthy, the team was strong. And, the, and we know, like, the 2021 team was a first down away from beating Alabama. If they get the first down to win, Brian Harson is the coach of Alabama tonight. Auburn. So literally a yard away from this fire. I wish happening. he was the coach of Alabama tonight, but no, Auburn is I'm sorry. <laughs> I would pay good money if he was the if coach. We could do a coach swap. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm dying to have Saban necessarily at this point in his career. No, but that would be really funny, though. That would be great. Oh, man. All right. Um, so, number five, um, Harson did 
and his team did learn some lessons, his coaching team did learn some lessons, and they changed the recruiting staff operation after the 2021 season and signing day. They hired a general manager and some more experienced football recruiting operations people, and the operation piece of recruiting, identifying and offering kids, was was better. I'm not saying it was good. I'm not saying it was great. I'm saying the behind-the-scenes mechanical operation of scouting kids and deciding who to offer and when and stuff was better. It's, this is a relative statement, okay? And a lot of this happened after the some of the, the bad recruiting things that we're going to talk about later, okay? Um, number six, the Gus Malzahn offensive line recruiting really hamstrung this staff. I'll Such an it. unbalanced group with so many upperclassmen and no lowerclassmen who could play, especially at tackle, created a situation where no transfers or recruits wanted to come to Auburn to play offensive line because they looked at the depth chart. Mm -hmm. Instead of having, a you know, kind of three to four players in each class, we had a huge groups um, at the senior level and then a bunch of guys, you know, not a bunch of guys under it. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, And additionally, so we had that kind of offensive line thing hurting them. And then we had injuries uh, on the offensive line this year, which caused our starting center to retire and our backup center to get hurt. So we're basically using our third-string center against SEC teams. Um, <laughs> Which is still three better than Terry Bowden got to do in, in 98. But, yeah, fair enough. Go ahead. All right, number seven. After Bo Nix gets hurt and transfers out, Harson gets Zach Calzada to transfer to Auburn. Unfortunately, he never gets to play for Auburn due to injuries sustained against by Auburn. Auburn. That's incredible. Against him by Auburn. So Calzada was definitely plan A at quarterback yeah. for Brian Harson. Finley was plan B and then he got injured. So now Robbie Ashford is playing. He is plan C. Now he has talent, but he is incredibly raw and obviously could have benefited from a year on the bench and a year of development. And he has gotten better over the course of this season. He's not great. I'm saying he is better than he was uh, yeah, oh, for sure. At the start. Um, so, all right. In, in a minute, I'm going to want you to play the sound clip. So okay. the, the February attempt to, uh, to fire Harson does matter. He was attempting to establish a little positive momentum, and this ended that positive momentum. Uh, the powers that be attempted to create an investigation in an attempt to fire him on the cheap. And yep. I'm, saying there, I'm not saying there wasn't reason, but okay. the – they attempted to do this in a way that would allow them to fire him on the cheap. It failed, but it wounded Harson, and he was then kind of a wounded animal, continuing on leading the program, but still weak. Um, all right, play the sound clip from Auburn Ellis. This is true. First, as we begin, I would like to say thank you to the prosecution for allowing me to speak this fine evening. I come before the court tonight wishing to address the notion that the defendant was undermined by the mysterious cabal known as the powers that be. It is well known, Ioana, while one criminal may themselves be the victims of crimes, that victimhood does not absolve them of their original crimes. So the issue of whether the defendant was somehow damaged by other parties outside this trial is not a question for this here court. If the defendant believes he has been wrong, then he is welcome to plead his case to the court in due time. But the question before this here court, Your Honor, is simply whether the defendant is guilty of crimes against Auburn football. Thank you, Your Honor. 
<laughs> All right, Elvis. Thank you very Matt Matt Le, Matt Matt Elvis, right? That's it. Elv Elvlock. Um, all right, all right. All taken into consideration. And now let us hear from the prosecution. Now we're shifting to the anti Harson side. I did the best I could with the pro Harson side. Did. No, you did. I feel but like I may, I feel like you, I landed a couple points there. You did, but now dispel once and for all with this fiction and get on with it. We over under a Kingdom of Heaven quotes rest of the show. That, that, was, that was Marco Rubio. That wasn't Kingdom <laughs> of Heaven. What the heck? All right, so. We begin the, the case against Brian Harson. All right. At a basic level, he had to do one or t- one of two things. He either had to win football games or he had to recruit well. He did neither. Okay. Auburn's record in football games under Brian Harson, his overall winning percentage was 42.9%. No coaches since Suge Jordan was hired have had a lower winning percentage than that. His SEC winning percentage was 30.7%. In the last (laughs) in the last 13 games, Auburn is three and ten. The last time it was that bad was 1949, 1950, pre-show I'll point out too, because I did the research in this, this year, and we're only eight games in, is the first time in Auburn history we've ever lost We've ever given up forty points three games in a row. There was two. Uh, I'm other coming se- to that. Okay, we were, okay, there were two other seasons where we gave up forty points three times, but not even then in a row. And we still have a chance. We still have to play Alabama and a couple of others, so it could break the record completely. All right. So that was the first party. He had to either win games or he had to recruit well. Hey, 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 John. Can I, let me let no. me address that other thing. I'm sorry. I just. When you said he had to do one of the things, win or recruit well, one of the arguments that the defense has made, not in this trial but overall, is that um, you had to give Pat Dye a couple of years. You had to get Tommy Tuberville a couple of years. They didn't have great first years. And my response to that, because I want to get your opinion on this since you were just you know making that case, my response to that is both Tuberville and Pat Dye, as well as others, you could tell immediately – that they were doing things behind the scenes very actively that it was going to get better, right? With with Harson, it was like we got the first year of Pat Dye or Tommy Tuberville, and there was no sense that it was going to be nine and three and then eleven and one the next couple of years. You know what I mean? It you got the five and seven or whatever, the six and seven, and then it felt like we were going to get another six and seven if we were lucky. I he I with him I didn't get that sense that we were building towards something. If you look at the like the last several Auburn coaches, we we've had two kinds. There's the kind that come in and have a huge year immediately and then fall off which is Terry Bowden and Gus Malzahn. And we have the ones that have a bad first year, but you can see it building. With him, we didn't get the big first year, and you couldn't see it building. That's right. So, 100% correct. It had to be, he ha- again, if recruiting was strong, Brian Harson would be the head coach today. If we yeah. won more football games, Brian Harson would be the head coach today. Yeah. Both did not happen. Again, the worst football record since... Before Suge Jordan was hired, so a long time ago, you know, very few Auburn fans are alive who witnessed that, okay? And here's where we are with recruiting. And again, to go back to your, your dive Bowden point, it, that kind of goes back to my initial number one thing, which was there should be some kind of 
you know, three to four year automatic period, but the recruiting is getting worse and not better. The on the field product is getting worse and not better. In both those cases, in the Pat Dye case and in the other case, we saw, um, you know, improvements. We saw changes. We saw, you know, improvement in team toughness. We saw some other things happen. Uh, and we saw the recruiting start to turn around. Auburn winning a recruiting battle here and there against Alabama and Georgia. How about that? Die and Tuberville both went out and did some of that initially. They, they didn't get them all, but they got some. And Harson has gotten zero. Okay, so he, here's here's where we're going. <laughs> Boris the Tiger joins the trial. Secondary judge to Van. He's going to lay it down here in a minute. All right. So here's where recruiting has been under Harson. Auburn is currently 14th in the SEC in recruiting rankings for the 2023 class, okay? In the 2022 class, we were ninth in the SEC. In the class where he walked in the door and signed the 2021 class, we were 7th in the SEC, but many of those players have departed, okay? Additionally, this, the, the act, there's the recruiting results and there's recruiting activity. And the, the activity piece, the story from Christian Clemente earlier this year about how so many of his coaches were not even going out and visiting um, teams during the during the, the season was an absolute, you know, huge blow to Harson and his staff. Yeah, I do. And to go to talk to Josh's point and what Van said earlier, the times are different. With the, with the transfer portal, with the other things going on now, uh, the ability to get players in faster, you don't need to give someone five years. You can see some positive momentum in the first few years and see if it's going to work or not. So I think it's fair to have a reduced time frame. We shouldn't think, you know, this is an exceptional case because of how bad it's been. When every discussion is 2012, 1998, or pre-Shug and how bad it is, we're into – bad territory and when we're getting out recruited by you know vanderbilt <laughs> yeah there's nothing more i can say so re- recruiting it's the lifeblood of we are getting further away from georgia and alabama every day that harson was the head coach we are not getting closer and so firing him and moving on to somebody who can recruit at that level of bringing talented players will only help us gain on them so that's the biggest thing all right the football team under Harson got worse and worse as time went along. We started out okay. We were competitive, but it went downhill, and there was not a recovery trajectory. This team is in the bottom of the SEC in almost every statistical category except punting, and that was bad at last weekend. Yeah, even punting went down. I'm going to say, that was the one thing Vanderbilt – always had at the top of the SEC stats was they were really good at punting. So when we got really good at punting, I'm like, oh, that's the death knell right there. When you start getting really good at punting, and, and that's the only thing you're really good at, you know, because your punter's getting a lot of practice, <laughs> you know that it's not uh, it's not a good sign. No. No, 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 it is not. And, all right, so the next thing is, you know, something that was the, you know, a big uh, – topic of discussion in February in the offseason, and that's the player departures. There's been a huge wave of player departures since yeah. Carson came on. And, and the bottom line to me is that the, I talk a lot about the blue chip ratio and how important that is. And I, I haven't seen the final numbers, but I do not believe Auburn is above the blue chip ratio level anymore. I don't uh. think we have 
more four and five star players than we do three star players. That was like the one thing we could always kind of point to and say, you know, if we can just turn things around, whatever, with Gus or with Harson or whatever, at least we know we still have the roster to, you know, be super competitive as soon as possible. If we've dropped out of that, it's really, that just is disheartening, man. Hmm. Uh, That puts us down again. also Rams. A hundred percent correct. So I'm just going to run through a couple of players here. Again, Tayshaun Manning started for Kentucky in the offensive line. Bo Nix, Amari Harvey's at Georgia Tech. Dre Butler, Kobe Hudson's playing for UCF. Uh, Dracia Miller's at NC State. Um, Romello Height was starting for Southern Cal before he got injured. Kalen Newton is at William & Mary and making is the star of that team that's in the top 20 in FBS. Uh, Lee Hunter's at Central Florida. Jay, we saw J.J. Pegues and Tennyson last weekend in the Ole Miss game. Ian Matthews at Missouri. So I, I could go on and on and on, uh, but this is where we are. I mean, there's a whole bunch of players that Auburn wanted, you know, and that Auburn recruited and they signed here and they, they left and went to other places. And many of them are talented players who could help us now. All right. Um, next on the anti-Harson side, Harson replaced two SEC level coordinators with two of his Boise guys who were not qualified to be SEC level coordinators. And as a result, we consistently got out schemed each week in this conference. And I think yeah. in particular, when you start looking at the second half scoring, we use us versus the other teams, that's the other teams adjusting better than we are. That's a direct result of coaching. And I think it's, it's not hard to say, the two guys that are the coordinators were not qualified to be there. They're gigantic steps down from the people that we had in this first year and way down from the guys we, you know, from Kevin Steele. They're not seeing playing it with him. So that's a big thing at the beginning is, you know, he promoted two guys who were not ready to be SEC no, coordinators. Not at all. Not at all. Well, and I was going to say, you know, one of the big defenses last year was, well, he didn't have his own guys. That he had these uh, these more experienced SEC experienced coordinators. Well, Lord knows, I as much as we ragged on them last year, I sure wish we'd had them this year. Well, amen. But also, I would say again, if you are a confident professional, you can have other experienced, confident professionals around you and contribute to the overall organization. Let's take a look up the road at the team we played last weekend. Sam Pittman has you know. The former uh, Missouri head coach is his defensive coordinator and another uh, coordinator who has a lot of SEC experience is his offensive coordinator. He's not threatened by those guys. They work together to make the team better, and so he they flourish, and they've had consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big – it really matters. Um, all right, number six on the anti-Harson side, the defense has declined dramatically under Harson and his Unbelievable. Chosen- DC and Schmetting. Yeah, we thought the offense was going to be the entire issue. Nobody saw this coming with the defense. I, again, in the preview, ep- in the barbecue episode, I said the defense was going to be the strength of this team. And For I'm sure. here to say this now the defense is the weakness under, you know, and yes. maybe it'll get better, you know, with some other things happening. But Whoever's the defense is absolutely it. the weakness. We don't even um, know who's going to be running it now. No, we don't. Right at this moment, I think it's still Schmetting, but. <laughs> Um, Yay. Yeah. So, first of all, the stat you cited earlier, Auburn has allowed 40 points for three consecutive games and four times this season. That has never happened at Auburn before. No. Auburn is one of four 
Power five teams giving up over five yards per carry on defense. The others are Colorado, Stanford, and Arizona. Let <laughs> oh <God. laughs> me be clear. Vanderbilt is not on that list. No. Well, no okay. Whatever worst this, Big 12 defense you could think of is not on that list. This is one of those years where we always end up playing Vanderbilt and going, why are we playing them this year? Because <laughs> they've been catching up to us record-wise. Well, you, you know, actually, I'm, I'm wrong about that. Vanderbilt still has a winning record over us because all those years that they were good back in like the 40s or 50s or whatever. But yeah, they've won, you know, they won in, they play, we happened to play Vanderbilt in what, 08 and maybe 12, I think, and just caught them at the wrong time. I'm yeah. so glad we're not playing this year because I'm. No, yeah, I'm saying I can't believe we're not because we'd have another one. Unbelievable. All right. Number seven, coaching hiring decisions by Brian Harson. Yeah. First of all, that we just mentioned this, he drove off two SEC caliber coordinators. You know, Mike Bobo's working at Georgia. Derek Mason took less money to go work for Mike Gundy. Okay. Who is a crazy person? So. <laughs> um, <laughs> Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! We have we have that available. That's so, right. when he lost Bobo, this here's what's... Let's go in the Wayback Machine for a minute to the offensive coordinator search. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Gotta go in the Wayback Machine. All right, so here's what happened. He Brian Harson tried to hire Zach Hill, who is a former Boise guy who had been at Arizona State, but he was fired from Arizona State because of the investigation of mm. uh, NCAA violations at Arizona State. So we were not allowed to hire him. I'm sure Rich McGlynn said no. So... We could not hire Zach Hill. I can tell you that I have heard from multiple people Zach Hill has been on contract as a consultant to Auburn's offensive staff and has provided some input. He can't coach during games, but he's been reviewing game plans and giving input. All right? Oh, yeah. And at, at, at points during the season when the offense looked better, ding, ding. All right. Yeah. Number two. So that didn't work out. So then Harson went to plan B. Van, do you remember the Austin Davis era of of Auburn offensive coordinator? He was the he was the Auburn equivalent of getting caught in a motel yelling, "It's rolling, baby! It's rolling!" That's it. He was gone after forty eight hours or so. Uh, uh, Davis was originally the Seahawks offensive coordinator who came to Auburn and then uh, went out the door. We're getting to the in-game stuff. That's coming. <laughs> Believe me. You think I left that off this list? Come on. I've been I've been packing these these stuff away for a year. So, they also um so once the uh, Austin Davis thing flames out, he looks around, he realizes he can't get anybody else good. So he promotes his Boise buddy who started as an analyst, who, again, who Harson decided was only good enough to be an analyst a year ago. That's going to become hired, a new insult, Boise buddies. Yeah. Those guys, man, they're a bunch of Boise buddies. That's it. He also hired Cornelius Williams again, who, and then he ran off mm-hmm. um, early in season one. Yeah. All right, now it is time for in-game decision-making. Hey. In-game decision-making. <laughs> so, oh, there's a lot here, but I'm going to keep it short. Not enough rotation of players, especially on defense. Yes, this is, we've talked about that. You know, many, many, many times. Additionally, in during games, he made decisions to take risks 
when his team would have been better off playing field position. We talked about that a lot, especially this year, mm-hmm. where he could have you know, uh, done more of kind of the field position, punt the ball kind of stuff, and been better off instead he took chances. So let's take a look back at some kind of greatest hits from the in-game coaching decision uh, meltdowns. The end of the Penn State game last year, the fade oh, pass. God, this is going to hurt. Okay. This whole segment's just going to hurt, right? This whole segment's going to like I'm going to hit a hammer on my hand the whole time. Go ahead. The Mississippi State here. game in 2021, okay? We ran a fake punt that failed, and then the team was in a downward spiral, and he just stood there and said nothing and looked out of the field, didn't say anything for like half well, of the game. Every time, all the time, but yes. All right. Um the South Carolina game in 2021 goes four to fourth down. Terrible play call. Boris has his headset on. He's talking to Cadillac. Just scooch. I don't, I don't think it's worth. Uh, we need to read something's not happening on Twitter. Maybe with the broadcast. Double check it. All right. Um, something on Twitter. I think the broadcast maybe is is uh, not on Twitter, but we'll see. All right. Ah. So. South Carolina 2021, he goes for the fourth down. He makes an absolutely terrible play call that 100% cost us that game. Alabama 2021, end of the game, could not get a first down. It was third and two at the end of the game. We got a, If we get a first down, we beat Alabama. We win the game. Mm-hmm. They ran a, a very simple running play. It got absolutely annihilated. Later, on the second two-point conversion attempt, they pulled out this great play with a bunch of fakes where we threw it to the tight end. If they had run that play on that third down to win the game, we win the game. Saban goes home a loser. Harson's still the head coach. A terrible decision. Yep. So in many, many games, in many games, we failed to run the ball enough with Tank and Jarquez. We had a chance. Additionally, the, the fake punt against Georgia this year was nothing-nothing. We could have gone into halftime nothing-nothing. Ran a fake punt that was, again, deep in our own territory, gave Georgia the ball. That was it. And the other thing is just consistently, after halftimes, other teams are better. Other teams score more points. We get way outscored after halftime. And, you know, that's on Harson and his staff. They're not making the adjustments that are necessary. And then the last thing I want to say in terms of the – um, Harson and I'm not yeah. again I'm talking about uh, I'm trying to stay away from kind of personal attacks like what what kind of person he is and how he treated people and stuff but the, when I walked into that stadium on Saturday there was and on campus and especially as I walked into the stadium there was no energy or excitement or enthusiasm around the, the program anymore someone said it felt like a day we're yeah. playing an SEC West team, and they it felt like a day in that stadium. It, the, the the rest of the season had become a slog, a death march, and we we knew where it was going. He knew where it was going. So I like. Uh, I just wanted to lay it out there. The decision to to pull the plug on Harson uh, was made given the energy in that stadium and how the team played and how the fans reacted. You know, especially in terms of the way people bailed out in the second half. So, yeah, Your Honor, I rest my case. Well, I guess somebody knows why we should have kept Harson. Somebody. Someone knows. But, God knows. Yeah, but not me. Because to me, uh, it's a slam dunk. I mean, I, I, I appreciate your very able 
defense in the opening segment. I thought that was, you really did name about as many ways of defending him as one could. But in the, in the, in the final analysis, and I think a lot of the, even the Harson defenders have come around to this. Um, I think a lot of the Harson defenders have come around to the idea that even if he is somehow being done wrong, at this point, it doesn't even matter. That ship has sailed. The bridge has been burned. The cow's out of the barn. The geese have flown the coop. and The metaphor has run its course. Yeah, it, it doesn't <laughs> matter anymore. It just doesn't matter because you can, you can make excuses or legitimate reasons and um, none of that really matters because it is what it is now, to borrow a phrase from, uh, to borrow a phrase from um, Coach Saban. So, yeah, Boris says, no. He's, he's, he's trying to get some intel here on his little headset uh, for more information for us. Um, yeah, so I um, – oh, look who – hey, Reynolds. Yeah, so we've got – let's see what we've got here. Uh, Auburn Elvis says, burn him at the stake. Guilty. Guilty. Got the I, Boris this is a very small thing, but I, I want to throw this in as an example at the end here. In the stadium on Saturday, they announced over the loudspeakers Holden Gurner was going to be the starting quarterback. Never and everybody in the, the stadium was like, what the heck is that? And then Ashford was practicing with the ones. Ashford took all the snaps. A miscommunication, gamesmanship with Arkansas, attempting to keep Holden and keep it from transferring. Like, I. That's really was no weird, idea. yeah. We got to hang on to him. I just keep thinking we've got to hang on to the few good potential future players that we have because <laughs> so other than that, John has no problem with Coach Arson. Yeah. Other well, than that, how was the how was the play? Exactly. Thank you, Mister <laughs> Mrs. Lincoln. Um, yeah, playing like a tato. Um. Yeah. I, I, no, do, I mean, the other thing I I didn't even include this. I I mean I should have talked about this in the players' departure section. But I think the players leaving this week and kind of Harson's reaction to it was a big turning point. Okay, it was a big turning point for morale, mm-hmm. and it was a big turning point in terms of like those players are like, we don't want to play. You, that's fine. We want to go redshirt and, and transfer somewhere else. And I think. You know, there was a story like Harson was like, unless you're injured, no more red shirts, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like, okay, come on. I, You know, that was interesting to me because I could kind of see that from both sides. Like, on the one hand, if I'm the coach, I don't want players that are saying, you're going to be gone soon, so I just don't want to play anymore until you're gone. That would tick me off if I was the coach. But from the player's point of view, then, yeah, why would I want to get out there and play a couple of games and get hurt or something when, I'm, when I know you're going to be gone? Well, it's fine if I am playing, but yeah. if you are not playing me, if I never yeah. see the field yeah. on Saturday, don't lecture me about not redshirting. No, yeah. that's that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, this is the truth. Like the new coach should come in and tell Twitter to tell the Put Twitter the team back up. Penn State score. <laughs> well, Auburn Elvis makes a good point. We can only lose ten more, and then it doesn't matter. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I was gonna say Elvis. That was one of my favorite comments I saw today. Was when we lost that first uh, sign. We lost the first commitment, and you said, "Well, there's only eleven, so it's not like it's you know." I forgot how you put it, but it was a very good point that it's not like there's a lot to lose. You know, it's it, yeah. It, it's just, I'm gonna say this about kind of where we are, where we're going. We I think we have a president now, an athletic director. They want Auburn to be very successful, I, and we, we're we've spent uh, we've come a long way in the NIL front in the last few months. We're hiring an assistant AD to do just NIL. 
Mm -hmm. for all of our athletes. I think Auburn is going to, you know, turn into a power in that area in in a much greater way than we have before. And I think we can come out of this with a football coach that we're all lying behind, that the boosters are lying behind. We're supporting that with the, you know, the big NIL effort. And I think we come out of this in, you know, in, in a, much improved situation and move forward and be successful. I really genuinely believe that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, uh, Josh has, an, has a preference here. It's prime time for Auburn to get better. Well, we'll see. I got to admit that I'm more interested in that just because I'll, I'll, I would bet you five American cash dollars, John. I'll bet you five American dollar bills that if we do, if we do hire Deion Sanders, and I'm not saying we will. In fact, I think it's less. I think there's probably a 20% chance, but that's still a chance, right? But I'll bet you five dollars that if we hire Deion Sanders, Nick Saban won't do any more commercials with him because Nick Saban does those commercials not because he's craving those big Aflac bucks. He does it so he can be on TV during other teams' football games, right? Like, here you are, Michigan and Ohio State, playing a big game. Oh, we'll be back after these words, and here's Nick Saban, right? Your Texas and Oklahoma playing a big game. We'll be back after these words. Hey, look, it's Nick Saban. He's a genius. He's on commercials in the middle of other people's games. And I guarantee you he does not want to extend that same privilege to Auburn's head coach. He would rather die than do a TV commercial with Auburn's head coach that would be on during other people's games. There is no freaking way. If let's put it this way, if you want the if you want the Saban and Sanders Aflac commercials to go away, then do everything you can to get <laughs> Deion Sanders hired as the Auburn head coach. I I don't love those commercials, but that's maybe a little bridge too far for me as a reason, a justification to hire him. I I just I'm just saying though I mean <laughs> that's what would happen that's, that's what would true. Happen. Harson did TV commercials I can't even I can't even imagine I, oh my gosh well these are really good uh, trucks for hauling your potatoes out to the to the farm out there and then this is the first time I've ever tried to imitate uh, Harson I've never really paid that much attention to how he talks but he just kind of I know that he just kind of like is always even he never has any inflection in his voice and I know that he just kind of rambles on and on and never actually stops talking he just kind of goes on like this and yeah and that's about pretty much the way he talks. That was my first and God willing last time of ever trying to do Harson. Yes, let's let us pray. Let us pray. Let us pray. Oh, for a muse of fire. Hit that one in a while. All right. Um, so, do we have we reached a decision then? Because certainly I've, I vote guilty, guilty, guilty. Get his butt out of here. Again, we we are trying him in abstention, so the yeah. the decision's already been made. It has. This wasn't like the other. We did the Gus trials beforehand, letting the fans think about what did we, what did the evidence show us? How did it help inform decision making? So, we did it this way for a reason. But I think uh, we did. We, it it also allows us to have a record that we looked at the whole picture. So there you go, Your Honor. I I vote I vote uh, guilty. And I say you. That's it. Okay. Um, we've done it. You said we were going to do it and we did it. There you go. I I think we should spend about 25 seconds on the Arkansas game. It feels like it happened about two years ago now. Oh, look at the, oh Lord, Josh guilty on all charges. Joe guilty. Rick guilty. The jury is reporting back in. 
Christopher Stewart and an ugly picture it is. Clay says he is definitely guilty, but probably has a good civil case against Yellow Fella after the fact. <laughs> you can't sue him if he's up and paying the fifteen million. Or That's right. Side. Elvis says guilty. Send him to the Phantom Zone. I like that one. That's good. And then Logan says guilty. So everybody says guilty. Oh, and Stephen Tucker fo- uh, follows up with a really nice. Imagine Prime at SEC Media Days. You think Alabama makes it a circus? Wait till Prime Time roll. Neon Dion rolls into the to the freaking Winfrey Hotel. That would be, that would be something. And I guarantee you, right now, we would have mixed feelings about him being hired. But when you start seeing him out there doing his bit and rolling in, and he's got AU all over him, and there's Auburn players, I guarantee you the Auburn fans would go bananas. Again, I'm not saying he's going to be hired. I'm not saying he's the best choice. But I do agree that he would create so much more excitement on the front end. Now, would it sustain? I don't know. Would he be able to succeed? I don't know. But I do feel strongly that he would... Again, I think Jeff Grimes is going to get hired. I think Jeff Grimes could be a very good Auburn coach. Jeff Grimes rolls into into uh, SEC media days and people yawn. That's just a fact, right? Lane Kiffin, they're interested. Hugh Freeze, they're interested in a different way. But primetime rolls in, boom. I, I, again, I, it's true. I, you know my philosophy on this. I don't care about winning the press conference. I know. But I do want someone that can recruit. More so. guilties rolling in. Up, oh, Pat says it's unanimous. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then Rick comes back with John. I was at that damn sugar bowl. I know. I'm gonna have to find video of that this I week and put it out exactly there. Exactly what you're talking. Auburn fans need to see we, that before they go down the road. So. We we wrote a book last year, and in that book, it talks about that sugar bowl and our feelings. It's in there. Yeah. All right. Uh, is there anything you want to say about the Arkansas game? I did think that Ashford. I think Ashford shows enormous potential. I do think he could not. He he's not exactly Nick Marshall, but I think given another year or two and enough repetitions and a good offense that suits him, I think that he could be similar in terms of what he can do. I, I, I'm not going back to the trial, but I do have to say this. Yeah, this team is more talented than the results on the field show on both sides. Oh, 100 percent of the yes. ball. A different coaching staff, different coordinators could get a better offensive output and a better defensive output out of this team that we have gotten this year. And I think we're going to see some of that in the next few games, and people are going to go, hmm. Um, Again, every team so far this season that has fired its coach has won some games afterward. Every team. So I think that matters. I mean, I agree 100% on the Ashford take. The other thing I just want to say is, like, Camden Brown was fun later that game. Yes. He made yes, some incredible plays. Yes. We got to keep that kid. He is exciting, and he can play. We need to get him the ball. Yeah. Oh, a chance for me to say, the Arkansas fans, I've never even cared that they existed in the universe, but, man, were they jerks this weekend. So, go to hell, Arkansas fans. There you go. Um, ah. I think that it was. I think it wasn't Dion that did the pass interference in the Sugar Bowl. I think it was a different DB. But I know what you're talking about, and that play has driven me crazy yeah. for years. He did not do the pass interference. What he did was the intercept the pass and then the, the taunting. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's see. Doodle, doodle, doodle. Yeah, I think we've said enough about the Arkansas game. I think everybody's ready for us to move on. Uh, although it is frustrating to me that while Tank did have a good number of yards, most of them came on one play. The rest of his rushes ended up being about 20 yards. So. 
I, it, I, I looked at my wife when he had that one good play, and I said, this is what I mean when I say get him in space, right? When you put Tank in a position to make one-on-one moves with defenders, he can beat them every day of the week. It's when he's behind the line and there are three guys hemming him in. He's, he's very similar in that way to Barry Sanders. He's not quite as explosive as Barry Sanders, but he has that same style where either you catch him behind the line of scrimmage and he loses five yards, or you get him through the first wave of tacklers and you put him one-on-one, and then he may go the whole way. Very similar in that way to how Barry Sanders used to run. That's right. Um, anything we want to talk about the Mississippi State game? I mean, honestly, I don't really know what to think in terms of our side of that game now. That's going to be a complete mystery. But we do know we were beating their brains in last year, and then all of a sudden the universe tilted on its axis, and suddenly they started beating our brains in, and we couldn't even begin to stop them. Yeah, so that I think the weirdest we, game I've ever seen. Again, I, I have no idea what to expect from our defense in this game, but on offense, again, I think we have to control the – ball but we have to score points again mississippi state is going to score points in this game you know they're averaging 31 points a game they're way better at home than they are on the road and we're going to starkville they're undefeated at home they beat texas a&m arkansas there and they scored over 40 points in both those games so we're going to have to go in there and score some points on offense we can't kick field goals or play field position against this team and defensively we've got to mix it up we got to get some pressure and good coverage on their wide receivers. We got to get some pressure on the quarterback, get, you know, make him uncomfortable a little bit. But the meltdown last year has really scarred me. Yes, uh, yes. They run the ball better than they did a year ago, which is going to be a problem for us because we have, as we talked about earlier, run defense a problem. Josh, so, Josh asked a question we got to address. What if Cadillac beats Saban? You know what I say? Statue. <laughs> right down there, we got Pat Sullivan, Cam, and Bo. For their, for their Heismans, if you beat Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa this year in the Iron Bowl and your Cadillac, you you put a 24 out there running that ball a little sideways because he was like Tank. He's kind of a juker. You put that 24 statue out there. That's what I say. I, okay. kn- I know it violates the Heisman Trophy rule. I don't care. It's Cadillac Williams. He should have won the Heisman in 2004. Agree. If he wasn't sharing the if he wasn't sharing the backfield with Ronnie Brown, he would have had twice as many yards, and he would have won the freaking Heisman. I know this. There's going to be a lot more energy and enthusiasm and excitement among the Auburn players. It'd be interesting to see depth chart changes, roster changes, that kind of stuff. I, I don't know, but I do think it's going to be you know they're going to see some more energy and, and push from the Auburn players. So. Uh, I love Josh's idea again. I I think we are going to run the ball more, and we're going to run the ball better. I mean, I'm just going to say that. It's going to happen. <laughs> I love the idea. Josh said, yeah, install the – Caddy's installing the wishbone. Caddy ought to install the two-back offense like he was in with Ronnie Brown. That worked pretty darn well. In fact, they ought to bring well, uh, bring well, there was, uh, no, there was a joke back. today about bring back – he should bring back Borges for like, a three-game B- contract. B- triple B, bring back Borges. Oh, man. That was the – that was those were the days for that G- offense. Gorgeous Al Borges. Couldn't couldn't recruit worth a flip, but when you gave him the the when you gave him the players that uh, the that 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 Petrino and the previous coaches had brought in, man, uh, Mazzoni, Mazzoni and Petrino recruited that team. But uh, Borges knew how to use them. He was the chess master. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, uh, so we'll see. I don't have high hopes. Obviously, I think the emotions will be good. I'll put it this way: I think that once again we have a chance to do well early in the game. But I'm afraid that emotion doesn't last four quarters. You know, 
And what last four quarters right. is them throwing the ball for 700 yards on us, I'm afraid. And, and, and do we have the, the defensive depth and talent yeah. to, you know, to contain it? I don't know. But I think, you know, I think we're going to give them a fight. And I can tell you, again, I, it is 100% true. We're going to give everything they can in that game. We come home and play Texas A&M, and Cadillac leads that team into that tunnel. That stadium's going to go crazy. Yeah. It's going to be a big difference. Uh, all right. We gave the book update. Uh, Got to thank the patrons right quick. Um, Got to do this because the show wouldn't exist without you guys, and a lot of them are in our comments right now. Um, oh, wait a minute. Josh says the Texas A&M tickets have increased by 40%. Have you already got our tickets? Yes. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, when I had to get tickets for me and Mira and um, Amy, and I think maybe I got, I think I got a basketball ticket for Delvin, but I didn't get the football ticket. That was tough sledding in 2019 between the basketball game and the football game. So uh, I'm glad it'll be a little easier, honestly, this time. The basketball tickets were going for like eight times what the football tickets were going for. I looked when I looked at this at this weekend at that weekend that we're going. Uh, let me thank the. Uh, all right, so you you uh, you are viewers and our viewers on YouTube right now. You carry on your great discussion. I'm gonna I'm gonna thank our patrons. We have to th- go to www.auwishbone.com. www.auwishbone.com. Click on the big orange button to become a patron and join in the fun with all these great folks, such as Samuel Salvatore, Chris and Clinton Stewart. Chris is on here right now. Carl Von Drunker, Doctor Crackham. Ann Kangian, Bradley Blackman, Daniel Odom, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU Fan at KSC, uh, Logan Chilton. You sit at my table. That's right. Matthew Flower, you watch on my YouTube. Michael Kirshner, Phil Amthor, Master Sommelier at... Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage. Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage. Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, 76 Tiger, Esquire... Official sleazy shyster trial, 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 trial. That's what we're doing. Uh, zero, zero game on 34 yard line. Two minutes left in the first quarter. Fourth and six. I think I'll fake punt with a direct snap to the tight end. That'll fool him. Ben Bloodworth. Chris never Hilton. see it coming. <laughs> Chris Hilton. Stop making me wave this gun. Never mind. Fire in the hole. Crush your enemies. That's exactly right. Chris Thrash, Clay Henson, Coach Snyder is available. Just saying, shrug. Dan Thompson, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Bobby, Jacob and Robin Fleming, John Otsuki, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Mickey B. No one fights like Gaston. Only a few weeks until basketball season. It's a week, isn't it? It's less than a week. It's almost here. Woohoo, woohoo, woohoo. Week from the day. That's right. Uh, Algorithm and Blues, Paul Miles, Phil Davis, Reynolds Wolf, Rich Reimer, Sarah Brown, Steve Harlan, Theodore Geary, War Eagle Always, Warhammer 6, WDE Richie, is it Bruce Pearl time yet? It is so close. Wes Atkinson, where were you when, <laughs> you know, did you see it burn, John? Where were you when Harson was fired? Uh, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, when Carol heard Cadillac, is taking over the reins and said, now we're having fun. You you switched back on me. I, <laughs> I had to remove the other one to put the new one in. So Wynn is basically just messing with me at this point. But yeah, now we are having fun is the sound he wanted. So I gave you my best impersonation. Winston Body, almost everything school. Maybe we'll be back to being in everything school again soon. Auburn Blue, Blake Heron. Here he is live in person. Boris the Tiger. Woo. Uh, 
Brandon Smith, Carter Glouse, Cato the Barner, Colby Butler, Corey Smyer, Darius Benton, David Simpson, Dibama, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we have free at last. Also, basketball starts Wednesday. What a week. That's a good one. Hugh Anderson, Josh Teal, Kevin Canoy, Kevin Mahan, Lane Middleton, Mike Finley, Papa Todd, Pat Dye is not walking through that door. I'm not going to do the whole thing. Patrick Williams, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Snowdog, Tim Pittman, ah, Timothy, Tony Perry, Weagle87, the mad, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. I still think that's a brilliant use of their space there. Alex Nguyen, Ben Amos, Ben Hanshew, Ben Rigas, Brian Albanese, Bruce Pearl. That's awesome that Bruce is on there. Charles Mooney, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzane. I am missing my category, mister. Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, and finally, Daniel Witten. Darren Pyle, no more harsing around. Amen. Elizabeth Donald, and... we got to get better at celebrating. That's right. Up, uh, oh, Mark's always says, insert your favorite soundboard clip. I, there's no doubt what tonight's favorite soundboard clip is. There you go. Uh, I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jason the Wheels of Skull, Albrecht. Jeremiah Schumann, Jim McCrory, welcome aboard. Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rains, Van John, and uh, Barbecue All. You lied to me. Release the hounds. Well, I know the barbecue does lie to us sometimes. Carry on, my wayward son. Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Bright. You don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. Kathy, i got to switch out for some of your other ones that you suggested, but I, I plugged those two in and then kind of got lazy. I'm sorry. Paul Bankson, Robert Drain, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland. Spanky is the homeless guy that, li that lives in the unisex bathroom at, you know where. Joe's Barbecue Foot right. Massage. Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage. I just haven't too much fun with Howard Dean. Uh, Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, thank you for my basketball book. I'm glad I arrived safely. The Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson. We took Mississippi State's AD. Now let's take their coach. Ooh, interesting. Plus Brent Rumble, Chris, and our one-time and anonymous donors. We thank you all. Go to www.auwishbone.com. All right. We got a few of our usual things to do here. Um, what's our college football pick'em update? And I know the answer. <laughs> Here we are. Van is once again tied for first place um, with uh, Daniel. Mm -hmm. uh, they are He's at eighty-three percent, sixty-two and thirteen. Daniel and Big AU fan WHB. There's a uh, Auburn geology is two back, and I am in a group that is uh, what five games back at seventy-six percent. Along with Tony the Tiger and the Water Whataburger Meisters, which I think is a great name. <laughs> so uh, again, I think you know uh, it's a strong race. There's a lot of SEC games left to play, and I think it's going to be close down the stretch. Uh, somebody, uh, Josh, pointed out that Damian Craig will be on one sideline and Cadillac on the other. Holy cow! Two of the greatest Auburn offensive players in in modern history. 
but one of them's the head coach, and it won't be Damian Craig. I, who saw that coming? Who saw who saw Cadillac being head coach of Auburn before Damian Craig was ever head coach of anything? I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming, but I'm I'm okay with Damian. But I'm okay with it. You're dang right about that. Um, I don't yeah, have a fantasy. Be, I, just for fun, Damian Craig's role is the quarterback whisperer at Texas A&M. Oh, good Because Lord. Jimbo is too mean to them, and so Damian's <laughs> role is to say what he really meant was. <laughs> oh, bless Damian's heart. I I've been hard on. I've loved him over the years, and I've been hard on him over the years, and I've just kind of settled into a you know he's Damian, and that's fine. Um, I don't have a fantasy Formula One update. I know that we were all kind of jumbled up near the top, but there's still two races to go. We got we're pressed for time tonight. We don't do a two hour show. You want to get to guess the game? Bring it on! And everybody in the in the, I'm not gonna look at the chat. You guess. Hello, yeah, man, John, the rest of the AU Wishbone family. This is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist here with guess the game number sixty eight. Guess the Game 68 is brought to you by Charles Mooney. He sends in a little something for us this week. Let's give it a listen. You're right. That's the reason. Three points almost puts the game out of reach. And now it looks like if they don't have a big play right here, they're not even going to be in field goal range. 16 of 26, 205 yards and one touchdown. with the Ruski. Left it on the ground, and the ball may have been recovered by Auburn. It is Auburn football. All right, guys, I'll see you in the hint file. All right, let's start with the basics. We're not, we're not, not looking, looking at the comments. At the chat. Neither one of us is looking, looking at the, at the comments. So, I'm going to put was Morris in front of it. The esteemed Ron Franklin on totally the call. Ron Franklin and Mike Godfrey. Yep. The greatest, yep. the greatest so, duo in the history of college football commentary. So an early ESPN game, like a 90s, early 2000s game. John, I'm going to say, I think this is a game you and I were at. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. All right. So, again, the other team attempted some kind of fake, a ruski, but it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Auburn recovered the ball and won the game. Mm-hmm. I, Can I'm I tell not you who? Sh- it sounds like something Florida State would do, but I'm not sure if that's I was say, what Can I tell you who I think recovered the fumble, Ruski? Yes. Was yes. it Pig Goff? Mm, I want to say it was Tom. Pig Goff. I may be wrong. I think you're on the right track. I think so. You like you like the Bobby Bowden call yes. the Ruski thing and it not working? Okay. And we so there were there were a couple of different Florida State visits to Jordan Hare. Yeah, but we all but Jared only uses games we won. Mm. So not the not the '87 game. Where he got an Oh, God, no. Good <laughs> oh, <laughs> Lord. That was one of the worst beatdowns I've ever seen a good Auburn team take. That was a good yes. Auburn team. That was a good Auburn team. Their only they, loss the entire year was that Florida State game. That's hard to imagine. They took us behind the woodshed. So, mm. um, And, uh, all right, so the other game, you and I were there. It was like 90. Was it 90? 90. 90? 90. Remember 90? We played them 83, 84, 85, and beat them. And then we lost to them in 87, 88, 89. And then 90 was the seventh game. And that was the that was the game where we ended up doing the chop. As yeah, and falling the down stadium. the stairs together in a big scrum and everything, yeah. All right, so we're going to say 90, 1990 FSU. Let's go to the hint file. Here we are in the hint file. Let's get rid of those bleeps and listen again. You're right. That's the reason. Three points almost puts the game out of reach. And now it looks like if they don't have a big play right here, they're not even going to be in field goal range. 
16 of 26, 205 yards and one touchdown. They went with the Ruski. Left it on the ground, and the ball may have been recovered by Auburn. It is Auburn football. Yes, indeed. I will see you in the answer file. The the play that we always remember from that game is where we sacked, was it Casey Weldon? Casey Weldon. Like a 20-yard sack when they were trying to drive down and kick a field goal or something, and they ended up having to punt to us, and then we end up scoring. Yep. Yeah. I'm pretty and, sure and that's the, nice. And the reason I mean, I mean again, if you – if you don't remember that time period, if you weren't around for that, Bobby Bowden was famous for the trick plays and for the yes. Ruskies, fumble Ruskies and that kind of stuff. So he, he was into that kind of thing. So if you said another team did that to us during this time period, I, they would be my first guess. All yes, so. absolutely. All right, here we go. All right, John, Van, if you guys figured out that this is Auburn playing Florida State in 1990, then you are correct. I want to thank Charles Mooney for sending that in this week. If you have a suggestion for Guess the Game, you can reach out to me. I am at Yard Sale Artist Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It is all at Yard Sale Artist, or you can email me directly at Jared, that's J-A-R-R-O-D, at theyardsaleartist.com. Until next time, gentlemen. Whoa, that one is one of those that, in a way, should have been obscure, but we together we had so much information between the fact that it was a trick play, it was the 90s, um, that was the fumble ruski kind of gave it away. Because I remembered, you know, again, we just wrote a book about this. <laughs> but it's not just that. It's that if you told me an Auburn opponent ran a fumble ruski against us in the 80s mm-hmm. or 90s, my first you guess say, is Florida State. Yeah. And then, of course, we knew it was a night game because it was uh, Ron Franklin and, and Godfrey. And I remember yeah. that ninety game was at night. It was like night the whole game. It was a it yes. was a late. It was a pretty late game. So, all right. Well, thank you very much, Jared, and and uh, we appreciate uh, our our listeners sending that one in. I forgot who you said. I'm sorry. That was um, a good one. All right, we got a we got a slightly extended uh, just because of a couple of things we've gotten since then. Thank you. Order questions to the prime minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun 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 on the AU Wishbone podcast. It's <laughs> gonna wear that one out tonight because I'm excited. All right, we did get a couple of uh, belated messages. But I, I got to say, the one, I mean, they're all wonderful. They're all so appreciated. All the things that everybody sent in last week were so awesome. We really appreciated it. And then um, we got some more that were really, really awesome. But there was one that kind of got my attention just because who it was that sent it to us, right? You and I have, and, and probably I'm sure most of our listeners, have been big fans of the SEC shorts videos for as long as they've been doing them. They're just fantastic. Those guys are talented. They're funny. Um, the the ladies with them too, right? They have their own. They have like their core cast, and they have people that they bring in. They even brought in Scalise a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, our friend through uh, through from Birmingham. And then um, it turned out that the the Auburn SEC shorts guy has been an AU Wishbone listener almost from the beginning. So take it away. All right. We're moving into questions from the Prime Minister. This is from uh, Robert Clay, who Robert the subject Clay. line of his email is, I thought you were going to play the clip. All right. The subject line of his email is, congrats on 10 years. 
He says, Van and John, I just listened to the 10-year anniversary show, and I'm kicking myself for not sending in an audio recording to congratulate both of you on a decade of Auburn podcasting excellence. I wanted to at least drop you all a note to tell, much, tell you how much I enjoy listening to you on Tuesday mornings. I discovered the AE Wishbone on my way out to Los Angeles for the 2013 National Championship game. I was on as big an Auburn high as I've ever experienced, and I was looking for any and all content related to Auburn. I discovered your podcast and listened to the previous episodes of the 2013 season and quickly realized the humor and the analysis was for me. This wasn't Stephen A. Smith watching highlight clips out of our season and yelling at a TV with a grossly un- un- underinformed opinion. These were two dedicated Auburn fans who watched every quarter of our team. They basked in the moment of the kick six, but also didn't shy away from analyzing why our defense was just barely hanging on a game. Then, after the FSU game, when I'm laying on the cold Los Angeles airport floor at 2 a.m., waiting for a delayed Southwest charter flight that might never come, and wondering how we let a 21-10 lead slip away, I listened to the 2012 season episodes to dull the pain. (laughs) I didn't realize it then, but it would perfectly encapsulate what the AE Wishbone would become in my life, a place to celebrate the joys and commiserate the pain of being an Auburn fan. As a fellow content creator, I also want to express how impressed I am with how consistently you have produced the show. I know there have to be days and nights it will be so much easier just to skip a week. We'll get back on schedule next week. The fans will understand. Who wants to listen to a show about Auburn losing to this 2018 Tennessee team anyway? (laughs) Yet each week you ignore these negative forces and continue to sit down and create. I want you to know that your dedication to creating this show is not at all lost on me, and I can honestly say that it is my favorite part of the show. Congrats to both of you for 10 years, and it goes without saying, I wish you decades more of future success. And he says in closing, and because Auburn men and women believe in these things, I believe in the soundboard and love it. Robert Clay, co-creator of SEC Shorts. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I, I again, I you, you sent that to me about midnight or something. That's when I saw it. And I was like, holy crap. Robert Clay from SEC Shorts has been a didn't just listen to one episode. He's been a listener for years. I couldn't believe it. I was just so blown away. That's exciting. So two things. One is Van was more excited about this than a lot of uh, things that we've ever done on the show. But also, I it's funny to think like that. Our opinions about Auburn have influenced his views of Auburn fans and the content they've created in the in the SEC Shorts videos. I think that's great. I I I I'd, I'd like to think that when they did the Auburn roller coaster episode, that we had something to do with that. I I have no idea, and I wouldn't be so pretentious as to say so. I was just in my heart like to think that it was in the back of Robert's mind mm-hmm. when they yeah when they came up with it because I because when they did that episode, I'm like, hey, that's what we always say, you know. And so, but but other people do too. So it, it, who knows? But anyway, thank you, Robert, so much. That just really made it really did make my week. I really appreciated that because those guys are so good. I love their love their. They got a new video I haven't even looked at yet. I'm going to go as soon as we're done. I'm going to go watch it. Okay, uh, what we got else in the mailbag? All right, this is from uh, uh, Matt Flowers who says. A belated happy 10th. He says, I know I'm late, uh, but I was busy moving and hardly had time to think. I just wanted to say I appreciate what y'all do. I was wrapping up college and working so much in 2012, I didn't see much more of the scores and lowlights. 
so didn't get any expectations for 2013. I sought out writers and discovered one insightful column had an associated podcast. I discovered the podcast when I started working out of college in the summer of 2013. I was sold when y'all bought the barbecue to tell us about the season. To this day, one of my old co-workers from that time will text me during the preseason and ask, what do the barbecue guys have to say this year? And I'm always <laughs> eager We're to hear your guys. thoughts uh, that y'all have to share every week. He says, yeah. I think so much about how y'all naturally complement each other's style. Van is bringing the bombast and the sort of gut feel for the game. John is helping to contextualize with numbers and facts and analysis from around the spheres. It is clear that y'all love Auburn and that the show is an outpouring of passion, even when it is rough. Y'all bring a stabilizing energy to how I think about Auburn. No other podcast has so much flavor. It must be the barbecue and creativity that the two of you bring. He says... Coach Snyder, the soundboard, the silly nicknames for coaches and players of both AU and other teams, even little things like calling it a tackle football game will always bring me a smile. When my sister and I do our weekly Auburn football call, I always share what y'all have to say. It is a beautiful thing you have created, so thank you, Matt Flowers. Oh, man. Thanks, you. Well, I don't agree with that young fella. I think these two are, are done for. They're over. They need to clear out, clear out the bandwidth for a talented commentator like me. Well, we'll see. I would like to see the coach on the on the air doing some commentary. Something would be good. All right, we have any other actual he, listener he, questions? Yeah, we, we, we have a few more. Uh, all right. a, a couple of short ones here. This is from Samuel Salvatore. He says, hello, guys of War Eagle. Uh, we all know about the performance against Arkansas. What do you think of the new athletic director, Good Hire? Question mark? I mean, people seem to be, I, you know, there was one beat reporter-ish kind of guy that was kind of reporting some negative stuff. He said he stood by his reporting, and that's fair enough. But most everybody else has seemed pretty positive about it. So I, that's all I have to go by. That yeah. is track no, I agree. I, again, he has been an SEC athletic director. Mm-hmm. Their programs have done well. Yeah. I think that matters. Yeah. All right. Our next question is from uh, Jim McCrory. says, Van and John, a comment, a thought, and a question. Now 21 games into the we needed to get rid of Gus era. I saw this tweet. I'll stop whining about firing Gus once we get rid of Harson and hire a coach of Malzahn's caliber or better. Damn, we really threw away two years and maybe more mm. years of football for nothing. Mm. The question was not answered at the time was the why should we move on from Gus question. There were valid arguments. Uh, but the what coach would Auburn get that could be better than Gus against Saban and Smart? At the time, I didn't think there was one available that would be better. Clearly, there there wasn't one, and that was why Gus was let go at that specific time was a huge mistake. Timing is everything, and the push Gus out the door crowd helped break Auburn football. Now, looking back, I would like to hear your thoughts. I I mean, I, no, you and I agreed as much as we did like Gus in so many ways, it was time for him to go. I think that 21 would have been painful in a different way if he'd still been around. And the offensive line wasn't getting any better. And I think he's much happier at Central Florida, honestly. I'm, and I, I'm happy for him. I watch them as every week when I can and, and cheer for them. And believe me, there's nothing about Central Florida that makes me want to cheer for them other than Gus, right, and, 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 and T-Will. But um, so I totally agree that there wasn't really anybody around that we could have gotten apparently that would have been better. I think it's just one of those situations where, I, I mean, you know, we'd have let him go this year if it wasn't last year. So, 
I don't know. I just feel like he kind of he had his he had his turn, man. You know, it's coaches don't generally stay twenty years anymore. Just a few. Yeah, yeah. We talked through all that at the time. I, I, yeah. It was it was time. We needed to move on. We did, and we we you know uh, in hindsight, uh, you know there were other choices that, that we could have made in terms of who we hired, but we didn't, and now we got to pick somebody good. It's more important than ever to pick the right person. But the other the other piece of the theme of this is that coaching hires are a little bit of a crapshoot, and we've. We were on a pretty good run before that, but now and then we had our kind of snake eyes moment here. All right, a couple more real quick. This one from Doc Crackham says, I'm so glad that we can acknowledge NC State as a school now because otherwise John would have been sitting in an empty, empty football it's stadium true. watching what grass grow. It's true. Um, <laughs> practice. Virginia Tech practice. But he, And so he asked a question related to what you were just talking about. What if Gus Malzahn had never been fired? Would we be in the same position now with just one less buyout? Or would Gus have recruited five-star offensive linemen he did, you know, in his first week at UCF? Um, would Bo Nix have stayed and some of the other players not transferred? Would we still be three and five, staring three and nine to face, or would it be eight no. and five again? We'd be Sincerely, five, the yeah. official chiropractor of Jones Barbecue and Foot Massage. I'm glad we got one of those. Good, yeah. Yeah, no, I, again, I think it would have been just more the same, and it's not bad, it's just... You know, after you have enough years of eight and five, eight and five, eight and five, seven and six, you know, nine and four, eight and five, it's you just kind of say, all right, let's let's just try something different. And it was just a, it turned out to be a bad year to try something different. And I'll totally agree with that. But it was time in general. It was philosophically, it was time, even if specifically it turned out not to have been as good a time as it needed to have been. So there you go. Fair. All right, a couple more quick ones. This one's from Auburn Jesus, who says. Question for the podcast this week. Which of my late game masterpieces did you love the most? And more importantly, which one made Auburn fans most upset with me? Missouri not trying for a touchdown at the end? The missed chip shot? The dropped interception? Or my personal favorite, the dropped touchdown and fumble recovery? Wait, what was the beginning of that? I didn't. That was. <laughs> he said he was just asking about which of his masterpieces Auburn Who's fans he? liked or made them most. The Auburn Jesus, sorry. Oh, it was. That's what I missed. Oh, okay. Oh, God. Yeah, no, no pun intended. Yeah, he uh, he did have a few uh, acts of God this season, and that Missouri game will go down in history as about as improbable as the interception game with LSU, honestly. Hey. All right, uh, this is from Cato, who says, Hey, fellas, in loving memory of the Brian Harson era, I'd like to run down what, in my opinion, are his top ten wins. I'd, li- I'd say I'd like to, but I, could, I, I can't because he never got to ten wins. <laughs> Thanks, Kato the finally free. Wow. That's true. Nine, yeah. Hey, Josh has been asking you, who would you rather have, uh, Deion Sanders or Lane Kiffin? And I do think well, it, this could is, come to, it could conceivably come down to them along with Grimes. I mean, And the last question is from Colby Butler, who just wrote in and said, who are you hiring? Okay. All right. There you go. Um, I, again, I, if you give me that choice, I would hire Lane Kiffin. And I want to. I'm going to relate it a little bit to what I said about the athletic director. Lane Kiffin is recruiting at an SEC school above their historical traditional level and winning above a traditional level. He's attracting players in the transfer portal and they're scoring points and being exciting on offense. Again, I in my mind, I'd rather have more of a CEO kind of coach than a, a coach who's wrapped up so much in the offense. I think it's we've seen the good and the bad of that. But... If that's the choice right now, again, I, when you look around, 
Who else can you say this person is already doing it at an SEC school? Yeah, getting good recruits, getting transfers, winning games, scoring points at an SEC school above their historical level. If you gave them Auburn's resources, what could they do? Yeah, no, I think that's that's true. I he he still makes decisions that bug me. He's here's an analogy that you'll you'll appreciate maybe more now than you used to. Wouldn't have appreciated this. He. Kiffin to me reminds me of Max Verstappen about three or four years ago, where he was clearly one of the best in his field, but he would do things and you're like, oh, if you just had, if you had just not done that, it would be so much better. And now the last couple of years, Max doesn't do that. And he's a two-time champion. It's the same thing with Kiffin. Kiffin still does the try to pass somebody in a narrow corner, bang into him and crashes and knocks them both out of the race. With when he goes for the first down too many times, or he does, you know, I just want to say I don't want you to be super conservative, but I want you to make smart riverboat gambler type decisions and not just every freaking time say I'm all in, I'm all in, I'm all in. You know, I, I think. Uh... I th- I think he is getting to that place. I don't again. There's stuff that he does. Again, he went really petty after the game Saturday night on Jimbo Fisher and, and making fun of him and stuff. And that's who he is as a person. Yeah. Uh, we'll but see. I I I'm getting. I'm going back to the thing I just said. If the question is, is there somebody out there that we could get who is proven that they could score points and win at SEC level, recruit and attract players in the transfer portal at an SEC school? There's a candidate. Well, and he it does check another school off of his tour of the SEC. So I, I've got to address what Ben says because I, I disagree with Ben. Ben says it's wild to realize the Missouri fumble at the goal line was Harson's last win. We had no idea at the time. I said at the time, this is the last game he's going to win. The big debate that you and I had, was, and not between each other, but just you and I kind of threw out the hype. Can we beat Western Kentucky? Because at the time, we thought the only other game left on the schedule that we had a chance to really win was Western Kentucky. I didn't think we were going to win the Missouri game the way it was going. Yeah, so anyway. Um, All right, so where are we? Uh, Uh, We we wrapped up a a, a, a list of questions, so it's around the SEC time. We're hopping in the car with Mira. Let's take a trip around the SEC. I'm just going to get worn out tonight. I can't help it. That's where it is. That's where we are. I did not know I needed so much Howard Dean in my life. But you've, yo, aren't you glad you got it? Um, Georgia beat Florida 42-20. to I, I wasn't even watching this game because I thought it was going to be what it was. But then I saw an update when it got down to one score between them. And I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh. And then Georgia scored two touchdowns in like 90 seconds. And I'm like, blip, back over to the channel again. Any yeah. any any thoughts on that one? I mean, because it's Georgia. No, Florida. I mean, I, we watched a lot of this game after we got back from the Auburn game. And it was like, again, it was about what you expected. Florida made a run and made it close, but Georgia pulled away. And Florida's defense is bad. They are a couple years away on the recruiting side from being competitive over there. I, I have something to say about Florida in just a minute because this has really vexed me. But, and this is the one thing I want to say about the the Billy Napier at Florida. He said very clearly at the beginning of the season, we are not contenders. We got a, a lot of overhaul on the roster. We got a lot of things you know, we got to do to rebuild. We're not close to Georgia. And he yeah. set expectations and kind of tamped them down, mm-hmm. unlike some other new hires, and it, it matters. Uh, Missouri beat South Carolina 23-10. This is one of those where this is one of those in retrospect games, right? 
Because when I look at South Carolina's schedule, they had been doing pretty well against nobody. I, I'm still... You beat Texas A&M last week. I, like I said, and if you okay. look at South Carolina's <laughs> schedule, I'm still trying to figure out how they were able to get a, 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 the schedule they got being an SEC team. Because there's never been a time in my life that Auburn has played a, an SEC schedule anything like South Carolina's this year. They're playing the Little Sisters of the Poor on an SEC schedule. I can't figure out how they're doing it. But anyway, we knew that Missouri played Georgia tough, and we knew that South Carolina was doing a lot of it with smoke and mirrors. I look back and I go, of course Missouri beat South Carolina. Why did I not see this coming? But at the time, it seemed a no-brainer. And you know what? Everybody on the pick that I saw missed it. Everybody got it wrong. I, I, again, I think if they played 10 times, South Carolina win seven I think it was a little fooky like that. And I think I don't assume that this means Missouri is further up in the hierarchy than you think. I don't know. Tennessee just absolutely annihilated Kentucky to show that you can be a good coach like Stoops and build and build and build at Kentucky. And Tennessee can be crap, 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 and then blow you out. There is a pecking order. There is a hierarchy of programs. It is why coaches can go 10-2 and two at Ole Miss and then pack up and come to Auburn. I agree, and I think, and I think that's why potentially Stoops should be on the list too because I think he's a good coach. He's made – again, we call them sucky Kentucky for a reason because yeah. they were Vanderbilt level for 30 years, yeah. and he made them 8, 9, 10 competitive win level. And so I think there's a lot of credit for that. Their quarterback had a terrible day, and Tennessee is great right now. They are. And all right, we're going to get to that. And then Ole Miss, Ole Miss beat Texas A&M. This game could have gone either way, but there have been several yeah. Ole Miss games this year that could have gone either way, including ours yes. and the Kentucky. hundred percent. But I think if you're if you're interested in Lane Kiffin as a candidate, I would suggest you go back and watch this game because there's a point when he figures out what Texas A&M is doing defensively, and then it's. Well, I'm about to have I have the Tennessee question coming up here because all right, that's the that's the results. Here's what's coming up and what I want to talk about. All right, so Kentucky at Missouri. Honestly, I mean, after what I saw this past weekend, I'm almost wanting to pick Missouri there. I'm like I'm a hair trigger on Missouri there. I think I'm still going with Kentucky, but I'm like, uh, you know, and then Florida at Texas A&M. This is the one I have no clue i thought i knew how to answer this question and then you asked me florida at texas a&m i'm like well if it was at florida i'd be like yeah florida but it's at texas a&m and, and texas a&m had rolled out their new uh, freshman quarterback he was really good saturday I, night, so i know and it's like ah god just that one's just tough that one's just tough to me all right tennessee at georgia and again I mean, you got a flashy offensive team versus kind of a rock-solid, grinded-out defensive team. The, to me, the question is, will Tennessee be able to consistently move the ball and score enough, assuming that Georgia grinds it out and scores some, right? This looks to me like a game that Georgia's going to get about 24, 27. So can Tennessee get 27 or 30 on Georgia? Tennessee's offense is not as good as you think, and Georgia's offense is better than you think. Last year, this game was in Knoxville, and it was 42-17 Georgia. Yeah. Okay? 
Yeah. So it's in Athens this year. Tennessee's mm-hmm. a lot better. They're more confident. They're they're they have better you know mm-hmm. skill position players. I think this is going to be a great game. I'm just saying this right now. I can't wait. I'm camping out in front of the TV on Saturday just to watch this, and I, I'm very excited. So I think it's going to be an absolute great game, yeah. and I don't know what's going to happen, but Georgia's offense is better than you think, but I think Tennessee can go in there and score enough points to win this game. I, I've got Georgia, but I'm – again, th- this is three games in a row here that I'm just really – I'm not sure. I could – I could stay. I could be in sole possession of first place in our pick'em. I could be in fifth place when this week is over. I honestly don't know. Sure. Liberty at Arkansas. So basically, our one of our potential future coaches gets another shot at Arkansas. We'll see if he does any better than Harson did. I can't imagine doing much worse. Um, Arkansas. I hope that you lose at everything now because your fans really tick me off. Alabama at LSU. Honestly, I struggle with this one. Because Alabama should win this game easily, but LSU yes. has been playing very consistently well, and they're at home at night. All the signs point to LSU. Talk me off the ledge. The LSU quarterback does not throw the ball well enough. He's more of a runner. Right. He's, he's okay as a passer. He's not a great right. passer. And their defense is good, but it's not good enough. Again, the they're solid, and they're getting better, and, Tennessee, and LSU's well coached, but Alabama is going to... I just say Bradley. They're going to win that game by 17 points. Uh, Bradley said, uh, "I think Tennessee will win close, like they did against the Bam Turds. I picked Tennessee over Alabama. That's one of the reasons I have a. I'm tied for first place, but I don't know if they can do to Georgia what they did to Alabama. I just feel like Georgia's defense is at a different level than what Alabama's past defense has been this year. That's my but, main concern. And Georgia's offense is really good, but you know, yeah. uh, it's going to be interesting to see." How they do? They're they're very efficient. Georgia's offense. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, and then <laughs> the creme de la creme, the cherry on top of the Sunday, South Carolina at Vanderbilt. And again, this is one of those games where am I going to look back and go, of course Vanderbilt had a big game st- saved up to spring on a on a demoralized South Carolina. Of course Vanderbilt won this game. I but I can't pull the trigger on that. I got to go South Carolina, don't you? Right, no way. Yeah. And, and <laughs> fa- I haven't. I haven't. I haven't done it this year, and I don't see one here. But um, yeah, I was gonna. I want to do a lock of the week, but honestly, I don't feel confident enough about any of these games. This is this is rough. All right, let's put the cherry on top of this show. What is your non-SEC game to watch? This is a feature I've really come to enjoy at the end of the. Uh, oh, Josh is gonna. Josh is going in on all in on the Commodores. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, again, I. I feel like I've thrown out some decent ones. I'm, I'm going to give you, again, on Thursday night, Appalachian mm. State at Coastal Carolina. I'm there for 730 that. 7.30 on ESPN. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a fun game. Yes. Two fun offenses. You know, a little uh, wacky, fun, high-scoring game. I think that could be really good. I mean, you know, there's no other game on the schedule on Saturday that I'm like, eh. The other one I would throw out Saturday night, uh, you could watch it a little bit before our game starts, is Texas at Kansas State. Is it 7 p.m. on FS1? So that might be a fun game to flip over to during halftime. Good deal. All right. Well, we've put in about a two-hour show. We keep creeping in that direction, and we just can't stop. We can't help it. Uh, Hopefully, things will settle back down again. I am looking forward. I'm going to bring the laptop when I come down for the the Texas A&M game. So we'll be able to record some live, on-the-ground, in-the-neighborhood stuff. We'll do some video like we did at Texas A&M. Uh, we'll we'll do various things to for that our patrons and everybody else will enjoy. We'll yeah we'll 
Yeah, well, it'll be good. We'll have a good time, and everybody will enjoy it. So, all right, John, I think that uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up tonight? The Brian Harson era is over. It's time to move on, get united behind the next coach. But in the short term, you know, I'm excited uh, for the Cadillac Williams era. Let's go do it. There we go. All right. Give us some more joyous music on the outro there, man. There it is. Our time is up. We thank you for yours. War Eagle, John. War Eagle, man. All right. And we are out. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at AUWishbone and at Facebook.com slash AUWishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.